we are in a series called Parables. We started this last week looking at the wise and foolish builder. And what we said is, hey, everyone builds a life. You're building it on something. And what Jesus says in this parable is that it matters who and what you're building it upon. And so if you missed that, you're welcome to go back online and figure that out and kind of catch up with us on that. But each week we're gonna be looking at different parables. And, and here's what I think as we come to this, we forget sometimes how masterfully brilliant Jesus really is. In fact, there's uh, one scholar that writes this idea that we value this concept of what Jesus is teaching. One, par- uh, one scholar says this, the parables alone provide material that... Uh, that neither theologians nor philosophers can ever exhaust. This is a mark of Jesus' supreme genius. We have uh, kind of this curious tendency to overlook Jesus' sheer intellect and his power in that. And the parables, there's about 40 parables in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And in those, uh, most of them are recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And a couple in John, about another 20 parabolic sayings that Jesus would have had. And many of them pack this punch intellectually and pack this punch of understanding what the kingdom of God is really about. And so we wanted to spend about four or five weeks, I mean, this may be a series we come back to later on, of just unpacking some parables and some insights for us. And so tonight, I want us to look at one that uh, is confusing at some times. And, and again, you can see parables once. You can read it one time, and maybe you come back to it two or three years later, and God will give you something totally different out of it. But there's usually one point, one driver that's coming that Jesus is really trying to get home about the kingdom of God. And when you hear the words kingdom of God or the, the, the reign of God, you have to understand, remember Jesus, the Lord, Lord's prayer, he prayed, may your kingdom come where? on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so this idea of the kingdom of God is kind of this rule, kind of the way God would want it to work. The way it works in heaven would operate more and more the way it would work here. That's in essence what he's driving at and what he's trying to say when he talks about the kingdom of God uh, everywhere in the scriptures. And so as we kind of dive into this, take your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter eight. This is a, a parable of the sower, or the parable of the four soils, maybe you've heard it say, I uh, heard it talk about, and this idea of the parable is gonna unpack, Jesus is gonna tell the parable, and then he's gonna actually explain this one a little bit to his disciples. His early followers say, hey Jesus, this is a, a cool parable, like, what does it mean? And then we're gonna read later on in these verses, he's gonna unpack and explain it, and then I just wanna draw a few conclusions for us as we understand what this is about. Kind of the primary method Jesus used often is this idea of parables, capturing a story. In a way, a parable is a couple Greek words put together, a way of saying a common experience that Jesus would throw some knowledge and some wisdom, kind of the ways of God alongside something that you would see. So a common experience in our day is people going to a grocery store, right? They didn't have that in the first century. You didn't walk into fries, right? So that wouldn't be common in the first century. But tonight, this idea of the parable and these soils, uh, how many people know that there was a lot of farmers back in the first century? Good job, you're so smart. You're so smart. Um, So like agriculture was a big deal back then, and so we're gonna read this parable and you're gonna see it kinda, and this is something everybody would have seen. In fact, when Jesus was saying this, there may have been someone up on the hillside actually kinda sowing seeds in his field, kinda doing it. Anyone garden here? Anyone garden? So a few of you. Uh, as you garden, you've, you've got a purpose in what you do, right? 
There, it's strategic in how you go about tilling up the ground. It's strategic in how you go about planting the seed. It's strategic in how you water and how you, you cultivate the, the ground and let it grow, right? But there's always a mystery to the growth, right? How many of you have had sometimes where you plant some seeds if you're a gardener and like one, it's like a bushel crop, right? Just, it goes gangbusters and it's awesome, right? And then you do it again, like the next season, it's like hardly anything, right? And you're like, what is the deal with this? I've done everything the same. And that's this idea that, okay, we can be in control of some things, but really the growth is controlled by something different. And we can remove obstacles, but we really can't make it happen. So here's it is in the parable in Luke chapter 8. Uh, here's where it goes. Verse 4 is where we'll start. So while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. So he's got this field. He's going to sow this seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path that it was trampled on. The birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. This is Palestine. It's a ground covered in rocks, okay? If you didn't take time to till the ground, you were going to have rocks everywhere. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop that was a hundred times more than was sown. Now, before we pass that, you have to understand something. In a normal uh, season back in the first century here in Palestine area, if someone were to, to kind of sow a seed of wheat, right, it would come up and have the stock and it would have this head of wheat on it. And, and maybe if it was a banner year, it would have maybe 20 times what was planted. So for Jesus to say 100 times is just absurd. Like, nobody has that good of crop yielding, okay? It's just like over and above your imagination of where it can go wild, all right? So this would have been shocking for people to hear. For us, we're like, eh, I don't garden, okay. Um, so you don't know, but now you know a little bit. So he goes on. When he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. That's a phrase Jesus uses a lot, meaning, if you can catch what I'm saying, you're blessed. If you can hear it, if you can see it. Now, when he said this, he called out. His disciples asked him, hey, what does this parable mean? Verse 10, he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. And he says, though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. Meaning, Jesus, in a little bit of way here, is, is clouding some of this teaching. People have to wrestle with this. It's not just get it in the first pass. You have to wrestle with this. You have to search for it a little bit. Then he explains this parable to them. Here's what he says. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, meaning the gospel, the word of God going out to people to hear. Those along the path are the ones who hear it. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, who retain it, embrace it, and by preserving, produce a crop that's banner, that's beyond what they can imagine. The harvest is great in going out through them. It's this principle. 
that he's going to teach and he's going to get at. Now, at first pass, when we hear this, we go, okay, <clears throat> four soils, what, is, what does it mean? And remember, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, the way things work. And remember Jesus' prayer, God, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom of God, uh, N.T. Wright says this, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of a new project. Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, that is our blessing, we get that. But to colonize earth with the life of heaven, that after all is what is in the Lord's prayer. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea of this parable is really around growth. It's, a, it's around this sower, and so we see him. It's this seed, the word of God going out, and then there's these four soils. In a lot of ways, these four soils, you can replace the word soil with heart. These four conditions of the heart, if you will, for people who hear the word of God, that the sower, who is God, is, is giving out for people to hear. This is a parable all about growth, okay? And we're gonna unpack a little bit of this uh, and, and kind of get there. Now, if you were a mom here, and we're celebrating moms, if you're a dad, if, if you've had kids, if you're an aunt or uncle, and you've seen your niece or your nephew be born, here's what you know. Babies start off small. Mostly, some of you have like 10 pound babies, that's big, okay? Um, but like, they start off small, right? I have three kids, we were blessed. Our kids were between five and seven pounds, right? So we bring them home, they're small. But here's this amazing thing that happens. You feed them, and guess what? They grow. In fact, by the end of the first year, our kids were between 15 and 20 pounds. Now think about this. They have tripled their weight in a year. Do you know what would happen to you if you tripled your weight this year? You need a bigger car, okay? So if they were to keep on that trend, by the age of four, they would be over 400 pounds if they tripled every single year. That's just scary, okay? But here's what you see. Every parent wants your kid to grow. No one brings your kid home and says, I don't want you to grow. We want them to grow. Because what is growth? It's a sign of what? Health. It's a sign of health that you would grow and that you would produce. You would kind of mature up and you would be a part of this. Now, there is a term that doctors use for a, a child that's maybe struggling to grow. Anyone know what it is? They would write on their chart three letters. F-T-T, anyone know what that means? Failure to thrive. And what that means is there's something that's blocking the ability for this child to grow. Now, it could be a disease, it could be an infection, it could be something that's blocking, and doctors and nurses will go through and scour every possibility to remove any barriers that's keeping them from thriving. Because the goal here is to thrive, it's to grow. That's the point. That's what good health does. So Jesus, in a lot of ways, throughout most of his parables, and throughout this one in particular, is teaching about this idea of growth. And what growth is, 
is sometimes removing some of the boundaries and the, the, the hang-ups that are forcing us not to grow or hindering our ability to grow. See, I think what Jesus is seeing here is a crowd of people in his generation, much the same way in our generation, who, who might, in spiritual highlighter, have FTT written around their lives, failure to thrive. And growth is not really helping or, or moving forward in their life. They've got some kind of boundary, something that's hindering their ability to grow spiritually. And see, Jesus has a passion for us to grow spiritually. It's a goal of his. He wants us to mature. He wants us to move forward. There's this notion that Jesus wants us to be able to love somebody tomorrow that maybe you struggled to love yesterday. God wants you to be able to find that sin has less and less control or even enticement into your life as you mature as a believer and as a follower of him. Now, maybe you're here and you're kind of checking out church, and I think it's awesome that you're here. But maybe this notion of growth is appealing to you to say, okay, what does that mean to grow spiritually? Jesus wants us to be able to get to the place where we can share our faith with more boldness and more courage and just a more readily on the tips of our tongue because it's so much a part of the flow of how we live life and who we are and what we navigate life with. God desires for you that you'd be able to pray more deeply, to speak more truly, to rejoice more fiercely, and to forgive more freely year after year after year. That's part of spiritual growth. That's part of maturing up in the faith. And so Jesus tells this story. People gathered around. Maybe there's even someone, kind of a farmer on the hillside. And he talks about this sower. And here's what I want you to understand. There's three elements to the story. Um, Elements, that's a good name. Okay, there's three elements to this story, right? There's a sower. There's the seed, and then there's the soil, right? So the sower, if you're a gardener, think about the reality of what's happening in this story. If you're a gardener, what do you do to the ground? Well, you till it up, right? You prepare kind of whatever the box is or the area of ground that you have for your garden, but it takes a lot of preparation. And what do we see this sower doing? Just kind of throwing stuff everywhere, right? If you're a gardener, that would probably drive you nuts to see that. Because the reality is this person is extravagant with where they're putting the seed for it to grow. It's all over the place. It's on this hard path where there's no chance or barely any chance for it to happen. Yet, we've all seen plants and trees that grow out of the side of a cliff or out of a rock or out of some place that you would say, okay, that would never grow there, but we've all seen it happen. And yet the sower has that, I think, has that in mind. To say, there's still a chance, you're telling me there's a chance. And so the seed of God, the word of God, is going out to these places and to these scenarios and to the soil types that maybe we would look at and go, there's no way you'd plant there. But the sower says, I'm just extravagant. I want the word of God, that's what he's saying, to go out anywhere and everywhere. It's to the rocky soil, it's to the soil that's gonna grow up with weeds all around it, and it's to this healthy soil that's gonna receive it and, and bring it in. Here's the deal. The sower doesn't change. This is not a story about a bad sower or a good sower. This is just a story of the sower, God. This is how God is. 
He just lets his word go out anywhere and everywhere because he, he's saying almost in essence, you're telling me there's a chance. So I, I want to take the chance. I'm going to let my word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus go out anywhere. We have this seed, which is not bad seed or, or good seed. It's just seed. It's the word of God. It doesn't change. What's the only variable in this story? It's not a trick question. Soil, right? How many soils does Jesus say there is? I'm giving you a hint. Four. Okay. There's four different types of soil here. So let's unpack that a little bit. These four types of soil is this idea of one being this footpath. Now, in that region, in that time, much like in our, uh, if you ever drive out by Marana or so, you see uh, kind of the fields that are out there and you see this path that walks right, around, right alongside the field, right? It's this trampled down, hardened path that nothing can really grow on it, though occasionally there might be something, a miracle that happens. And yet there's this hard path that this is where the, the trucks drive, this is where people walk, and this is where some of that seed went. And Jesus unpacks it, he says. This is kind of the, the hard heart of a person who, who said, okay, maybe there is no God who has kind of written off spiritual things and said, I'm not really for that. In fact, I'm, I'm almost even against that. And Jesus says, this, this is kind of that hard-hearted person. Because what is Jesus teaching about? the condition of our heart. And he's saying, you and I have control over the condition of our heart. We're the only ones that can manage that because it's the only variable here. And I think what Jesus is saying is, know the condition of your heart, tend to it, and don't let it drift to something that you don't want it to be. And pray that it would become something that you desire it to be and work to that end. Does that make sense? So this idea of saying, hey, let the heart condition of your heart not be like this path, because for some, it's this notion that the word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus goes out, and people go, nah, I don't want that. And and that's kind of the hard heart stance that they take. There's this other soil, um, kind of the rocky soil, right, that just has a lot of things a part of it, a lot of part of their life, and, and in essence, it receives this at first and says, this is a good thing, but yet it, it's kind of, it's kind of ground out. It doesn't have much root to give in, in that person's life, in that person's heart. And it's like it just is crowded out. It, it's this idea that it, it doesn't have depth to it. It never really goes anywhere because something happens, and Jesus describes it as this persecution, that just being a spiritual follower of Jesus is tough at times. And it's being in this thing where you say, okay, I'm gonna go against the flow a little bit, against the kind of the the world's way of doing things and operation, and yet what Jesus says sometimes is, hey, you're gonna have to be follower of me, it's gonna go against the grain sometimes. And for some people, it's just, yeah, that's too hard. And I, I don't want a part of that. Then there's this third soil. That's the soil that takes root, but it has all these weeds that kind of grow up around it and crowded out. In fact, what does Jesus say that it's crowded out by? He says this. Um, Those in the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. They have but no root. After a while, have fallen away. The seed that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go about their way, they're choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasure. And they do not mature. 
in a way, he's telling this story to say, look, it's not this, about this hard heart. Well, we can see that, we can identify that. It's not about this shallow heart that doesn't have a lot of root, and it's kind of when trouble comes or persecution comes, it, it's stamped out or kind of doesn't take root. It's really about this cluttered heart. And for some of us, we hear the word clutter and we go, well, that's not really that big a deal. You just kind of work around it, right? Uh, anyone have clutter in their house? Yeah, you still live in the house, right? You, you still kind of walk around it. And yet, what Jesus, I think, is saying here is, listen, if you let your heart get to a condition where the clutter of life, the worries of life, the pursuit of pleasure of life, the riches, the pursuit of riches in your life, if that begins to crowd out or clutter up your heart, watch out. You may not be in the most receptive position or have the most receptive heart to the things I want to do in and through your life. You may have a cluttered heart. And I think for followers of Jesus, I think this is the heart condition that is the most dangerous because it's easy to overlook. It's easy just to ignore and kind of wipe away. You would say, hey, well, preacher dude, I'm not like, out there slamming Jesus, I'm not like, I'm, I even go to Christian movies, like I support them sometimes, and, and I'm not like against things, and so I, I've been going to the same church for a long time, I've been doing the same things, and, and so you would say, look, this, that's not me, but maybe if you were to spend some time asking Jesus, hey, what's the condition of my heart right now? Would he say something different? Would he nudge us to say, hey, maybe let's take stock, reality stock, of where we are. So yeah, maybe it's not a hard heart, maybe it's not a shallow heart, maybe, but is it cluttered? Is it overly cluttered? And are you missing the opportunities I have for you and want to be, because here's what I want. He goes to this fourth soil. That's this receptive heart. This is the word of God, the things of God, the ways of God, the kingdom of God, the realm of God, the way things would operate in heaven would begin to operate more and more in the way I live and the, more and more in the scope of the influence I can have in this world. God, I want that. That's what it means to pray for the kingdom of God, that the way things operate in heaven would become more and more the way things operate in how I live and influence and reach out in my life. And so the heart condition, what Jesus is looking for, is look, this is the heart condition where growth can happen. One out of four. Now, if you're an engineer or a math whiz, that's a quarter, right? I went to Marana, I'm just checking. <laughs> so, um, it's this idea of saying, look, that's 25% to 75%, right? And so what Jesus, I think, is teaching here is saying, look, the only people who can have watch over their heart is you, it's me. We're the ones that can stand, watch, and tend to our heart. And I think what Jesus is driving home, some people want to look at this parable and say, well, this obviously just says, these are the people who make it into heaven and these are the people who don't. And I don't think you can make this parable that simple. I think there's maybe a notion to that, but I don't think it's limited to that because this really is about growth. It's about Jesus wanting us to have a condition of heart that will grow and do what? Produce something. Produce this harvest that's astronomical. 
that's not just a little harvest, but it's this harvest that's a hundred times, which would just blow people's mind at that point. Like, that's ridiculous because most people ever see is 20 to 25, maybe. He's saying a hundred. It just blows their mind. And you say, look, that's what I want to do in you and through you. That's the heart I'm looking for, Jesus is saying. That's the heart where I can be at work. That's the heart of a church where I can be at work in moving my kingdom forward. Because here's the heart of the sower. What is the sower doing? Extravagance. Anywhere and everywhere. You're telling me there's a chance. And so I'm gonna throw some seed over there. You're, you're, you're telling me there's a chance. I know there's a lot of weeds in that, but you're telling me there's a chance. Pfft. Throw some over there. I know this is rocky and it seems really shallow, but you're telling me there's a chance. And so the sower doesn't just go out and look for the perfect soil. What the sower is doing is saying the seed, the word of God needs to go out everywhere because it's the potential, it's the, it's the opportunity for people to find life with God. It's the opportunity for people to find growth happen in their own heart, to pour this out. And I think what Jesus is telling, I think part of the reason Jesus tells this parable to his disciples and explains it to them is I think very simply, he's wanting them to know there's gonna be some times when you share your faith and you share the gospel and you share the good news of Jesus and people are gonna be like that hard path and they don't want anything to do with it. But I'm telling you, there's a chance. Because here's the reality of soil. Soil conditions can change, can't they? They can change. All it takes is one plow in one season. All it takes is one opportunity seized. All it takes is one moment in time where God interrupts that person and something transpires in their life that shakes everything for them. And all of a sudden, the, the heart of them, the soil of their heart is tended up in a way that you're telling me there's a chance. The Apostle Paul was Saul, right? Persecuting the church, killing Christians for their faith in the first century. Until one day, Jesus shows up and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Knocks him off his horse, he falls, and Paul's life is never the same. He changes his name. He becomes the most prolific church planner in all of history. The reason you're here, the reason I'm here, is because of Paul and his reach out to the Gentile nations and to the opportunity of people who said, the gospel, the good news, needs to be sown over here. That's the only reason we're here is because the soil conditions changed in Saul's heart, and God transformed him and birthed and grew something astronomical out of his life and his living. It's Rome. What is Rome doing in the first century to Christians? Persecuting them, killing them, trying to wipe them off the face of the earth. And yet, these 12 guys who hung around Jesus outlasted the mighty Rome. Do you know what happened in the fourth century? Rome stopped persecuting the Christians. Some dude named Constantine, maybe you've heard of him. 
And all of a sudden, all these emperors who were trying to force idol worship in all kinds of ways across all kinds of religious thoughts got to a place in the fourth century where Constantine said, nope, Christianity is now the Roman religion. And Rome, even at its twilight, as it was falling, gets to this place where Christianity is birthed and released all throughout the whole Mediterranean. And the advancement of the gospel begins to take forth. You're telling me there's a chance. I think at the heart of this is know the soil condition of your own heart. And if you're in that place where maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, in fact, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, that hard path, that hard heart, that's me. That's me, and like, I'm just barely sitting here, and I can't believe I haven't walked out yet. Um, hey, I'm really glad you're here. I really am. In fact, I think it's gutsy of you to pursue your faith, even with an inkling that you would take a step toward Jesus, take a step toward understanding this whole spiritual life and what does it mean to be a follower of him. And I'm telling you, if you'll just keep walking in his direction a little bit, I'm convinced that you'll be surprised that he's always been faced in your direction and he's actually walking toward you. And some of the dots will start to connect here. You know, for some of you, uh, maybe you have friends that every time you could talk about anything in the world, right? You could talk about money, you could talk about vacations, you could talk about anything, politics even, and then someone brings up religion, and your friend's like, I'm out, <laughs> right? And, and maybe you have a friend like that, and you've been praying for your friend for a while to say, hey, uh, maybe they would be open to godly things, to spiritual things, and, and every time you try to go there, every time a conversation begins to make that turn, it just shuts down, and you get frustrated, and you feel like you're failing at times. I think that's why Jesus told this parable. Listen, if three out of four didn't listen to Jesus, it's okay, right? Three out of four, this condition of the heart, we're not open. Jesus is the same one who teaches about God you know, being open to any and all people, and then he starts preaching his hardest sermon. And you know the crowds that were gathered around him? You know who was left? Twelve. Think about that. That's a preacher's worst nightmare, to start preaching and five people are left. That happened to Jesus. And everybody left except his disciples. And he said to them, are you going to leave too? And his disciples looked and said, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. Their heart condition was right. And God produced something amazing through those who left their heart in the right condition, who got to a place when the worries and pursuits of this world began to crowd in and clutter up their life, they took action and pulled out the weeds and said, no, my heart is gonna stay that soil that's receptive to God's word. And even when he challenges me to do something, and maybe I don't want to do it at first, and maybe I push back against it, but, but I'm going to trust him that he has the words of life, and I'm going to take a next step, even if it's a baby step. I'll be, what about Bob? And I'll just take baby steps. That's all I'm going to do. That's okay. Tend to your heart condition. And lastly, join the extravagant sower. The heart of God 
is to, to put the gospel out anywhere and everywhere. The heart of God is not unlimited. It's not a heart that, that says, you're in, you're out. The heart of God is the sower that we see Jesus describing. You're telling me there's a chance. And so the scene goes out, and the hope is left out for people to see. And I think that's the challenge for us, is to be a church and to be a people who say, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work and own my own heart condition. I'm gonna understand it, I'm gonna know it. And I'm gonna be a person who joins the extravagant heart of the sower, of God, and his work in this world. And so as we close, as we move toward a a time of communion, um, I, I wanna invite you tonight as we take communion together to, to kind of do some, some reflecting of your own. Kind of where you're at. What's your heart condition? If you were to describe it, if Jesus said, okay, this is the heart of the sower, this is the reality of the seed, this is the four conditions that he unpacks in this parable, where am I at? If I could be honest with myself, where am I at? Is my, is my heart kind of turned off to him? Is it hard and kind of, saying no, is it just shallow? Is it just something I do and when persecution or this testing kind of comes, I really whimper back? Is it cluttered? Is it cluttered with all these other things and all these other pursuits and all these things that, that pull for my attention and my affection and my time and my resources and everything and God's kind of this afterthought? Or is my heart condition right where the seed, God's word, his hope, his truth can go down into my heart deeply rooted and I can be built up in that so that he can begin to produce some things. Uh, what's Paul say about production? Uh, think about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Are those markers of your life now? Are they more a marker of your life now than they were two years ago? Because that's a sign of spiritual growth. That's a sign of having your heart in the right condition in the right spot for God to be at work. And so I'm just gonna invite you to take a little bit of inventory, a little reflective time. As we remember Jesus' life given, his body given for us on our behalf that we might have forgiveness of sins, his blood shed that we might be forgiven and have a right relationship with him, not based on our works and what we do, but based on what he's, he worked out and what he did on the cross for us. And so as we take that communion, remember, you're anchored to that. And as you're anchored to that, Jesus is asking each one of us, hey, would you have your heart condition right so I could be at work in your life and through your life? I wanna produce something that's astronomical, that's beyond your even wildest imagination of how I wanna impact and influence the world for my kingdom's sake, and I wanna partner with you. And so Jesus, that's what we pray for, that you would help us as people, you'd help us as a church, you'd help me, to be able to, to own the condition of your heart, to be able to, to take stock from time to time, to, to in reality be able to do some maybe repentive work that says, God, this is out of alignment and I wanna bring it back in alignment with you. These are the weeds that are kind of cluttering up the life and the soul of my own heart and the pursuit of my life and, and I wanna pull those out that you might be more active and the roots of your love and your hope and your grace can begin to, to take deeper root in my life and begin to flow out to those around us. That we produce a fruit that people see, that they can experience 
a hope in you that maybe they've never experienced anywhere else. So Jesus, I thank you for this parable. I thank you for the challenge that it is. And I pray as we take communion here, as we worship in song, as we end our night, God, would you encourage us to take stock of where we are Urge us to kind of bring our best to you, to be in the best condition for your word to be active in our life, changing us, transforming us, shaping us. And may you use our lives, our church, our city, to put your love and your grace and your hope on display because the heart of the sower is to say, you're telling me there's a chance that anyone and everyone can find life with God. Let us be those kind of people. Let us be that kind of church. Would you move in our hearts these next few moments?